Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, I'm excited that you are listening in for season five, where we are starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and faith. This month, our first episode introduced my Dutch daughter, Lika. Lika shared about growing up in the Netherlands, how her first encounter with people her age who truly believed in Jesus was when she was in the U.S. on high school exchange about five years ago, almost six now. And she talked about being content with her agnosticism and disbelief in the God of the Bible at this point in her life. I loved that conversation with Lika and her honesty. So if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go and check out that first episode with Lika and hear her story. And last week, in case you missed it, we also shared a wonderful conversation with a Christian illusionist and evangelist named Brian Drake. Brian addressed one of Lika's questions about whether Jesus could have just been a clever magician or an illusionist and why he didn't believe that was a plausible theory, although he said that very lovingly. And I just invite you to listen to that because I learned a lot of things in that episode as well. We'll put links to that in the show notes, um, and you can find that and more information at findingsomethingreal.com, along with other things like free resources and occasional blog posts, how you can get more involved with this program, and ways to connect. And special shout out to those of you helping support this program as monthly patrons. I hope you got your custom stickers in the mail and are enjoying the bonus episodes each month. And thank you especially to Donna, who recently became a Patreon supporter. Anyway, all of that can be found over there at findingsomethingreal.com. If you like this podcast, I'd love for you to visit over there and also to hear from you. So this day is extra special for me, friend, because number one, and drum roll, please. Lika is here. She's joining us for this one uh, live from the island of Malta in the Mediterranean Sea Welcome, Lika. Good to be back. (laughs) Oh, well, I just love seeing your face all the time. But um, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. Um, The weather is getting real nice. So on my days off, I'm mostly at the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's, it's been good. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So our first recording this month, we talked about your reluctance to investigate Christian faith at this point in your life. But we also had recorded that episode like uh, four or five months ago. So would you say anything has changed in the past few months um, in regards to that? Uh, No. However, I've been not on a journey, but I've been talking to my dad um, for you who don't know. He's a Jehovah Witness and he really lives by it. So I've been talking to him about it almost every single week and I've been learning and that's good, but I'm still on the same page that I was before those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's a really special bond for you and your dad because uh, you used to be really close, right? And mm-hmm. it's been a little while. Yeah. That's yeah. really neat. <laughs> yeah. So what is it like talking with him every week? It's good. Um, We follow this kind of course. So we have this schedule and topics and videos and stuff. And it's interesting to see because I know and I talk to you about your faith and then also see the differences between his faith and this, your faith, Christianity. Well, Jehovah Witness is part of Christianity, but um, yeah, so it's it's interesting. So that's Mm -hmm. good learning. Yeah. But I believe the same as I did before but yeah yeah, it's good to broaden your visions and yeah learn new things yeah learn more yeah what from your perspective right now at this point in your life what are the biggest differences between what the faith that your dad has Jehovah Witness and uh, the Christianity that uh, you've seen in our home Mm -hmm. Um, from right now I think the afterlife um it's totally different they don't have heaven and hell um so and that's what christianity is also about like you what is afterlife um so i think that's a really big difference and then jehovah witness is kind of like a little bit more strict they have these more rules quote unquote rules um that they live by like for example <laughs> he gave my mom the harry potter collection on dvd because he he's not allowed to have anything with magic in his house so that kind of goes a little bit further than what i know from you guys yeah especially since we had a magician on here last week to yeah. address some of those <laughs> questions <laughs> well what brought you back today why why did you come back um basically just to talk um, to you and to Shannon. It's been a long time. <laughs> well, spoiler alert. Uh, today's guest is very special. Without her, I would not be here today. Uh, she is one of the biggest fans of this podcast. She has been a voice of truth in my life. She is the one that I turn to when I have a bad day. When I think of the word wisdom, I think of her. She is strong in ways that I am weak. She's always challenging me to remember what the Bible says about something. She's my biggest cheerleader and also deeply loves my family and compassionately disciples my kids. Her favorite thing to talk about, as long as I've known her at least, is how Jesus Christ can radically transform someone's life. I've wanted to have her on the podcast um, to share some of her story for a very long time, and I honestly never thought she would come. Uh, but with God, nothing's impossible. And she's here today. I'm very honored to welcome my mom, Shannon Moore, to the Finding Something Real podcast. 
Hi, Mom. Hi, Janelle. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, what brought you here today? Um, Lika. <laughs> you know, I've been a part of her family, I like to think. She's, um, she's my Dutch granddaughter, and I love her very much. I prayed for her for many, many years. And so I was listening to your podcast with her, and I've listened to others. Um, but this time, some of the questions that she asked um, really resonated with me because um, a lot of it is my story. And so I thought I might be able to add a little value here. But I'm not a scholar. I'm just telling you right now, Lika. <laughs> I'm just someone that loves Jesus. <laughs> Well, I, I don't think that we just need scholars uh, talking about the Lord. And you and Lika have a special relationship. You mentioned that you kind of see her as a granddaughter. Would you share a little bit of that? Because Lika's been part of your life almost as long as she's been part of ours. Um, mm -hmm. She came to the U.S. almost six years ago, six years in August, which is crazy. Um, tell me about that relationship and how it's evolved for you, Mom. Um, I, I can't refer to you as Shannon. <laughs> how long has it, uh, how has it changed over time for you? And at what point did you feel like, well, this is my granddaughter? Well, um, I thought Lika was special from the beginning. Um, she was just great at teasing your dad. Um, <laughs> she was going to throw some, I think it was wasn't it brownies he made you, Lika? Brownies he made, yeah. And he's a great cook, but not a great baker. And if I remember right, they were really, really hard. And so you teased him and said, and you had just met us pretty much, <laughs> that they were so hard that you were going to throw them th through the window. <laughs> and I just knew right away that you were going to be part of our family. And... Um, over the course of the year, we saw Lika quite a bit. Um, I think that was when Hannah was born. Or she was very, very young. And you guys lived in Othello. And yeah, and when we came over, um, we would talk. I think, didn't I help you learn how to drive? Or I let you drive. <laughs> and so I just saw in her such, such a, um, I don't know. It wasn't just... It wasn't just um, what I saw in her as far as a person, but I saw um, someone that loved deeply and mm -hmm. she just fit really well. I loved watching her with Hannah. She was incredible with her and with her friends. And so, yeah, we, um, I got to know her. We actually um, helped surprise you at Christmas one year. Um, Lika called yeah. and we worked it out and so we came and surprised you guys, and then um, you and I were able to visit her family in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and if I remember right, I was crazy and rented a car and drove to Paris. <laughs> yep, we remember that. <laughs> Which I would, not, I would not recommend that to anyone, um, no. but Lika was just so, so gracious, and so after that, you know, I've had some pretty tough times and Lika was always the one that would call and just check on me so um, yeah she's my granddaughter yeah yeah well uh, one of the things that Lika and I talked about the last time she was here I think you mentioned it to me off the air earlier today mom you said 
that I think I asked in our episode that we recorded, um, if you grew up with no faith, uh, what would you believe? And um, I know that you didn't grow up necessarily in a traditional Christian home, although you did grow up in small town USA. Um, would you mm-hmm. mind sharing some of your story and your faith background? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Lika, I think I've shared some of this with you, but um, I don't know if I've ever gone into complete detail. But um, one of the things you mentioned was that um, your your parents used to go to church and that you went to a religious school, if I remember right, and that your grandparents have a faith. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> and I was going to share with you that I never had any of that, nothing. Um, I remember very, very young that I, my, uh, I had two grandparents that died. One died at seven. I was seven years old. And another one died... Um, she was, I was 10 when she died, but she'd had cancer. So there was a lot of death talk um, around that because my mom was losing her mom and my, my dad lost his dad. Um, but there were no answers. It was just death. And I remember my mom telling me uh, when I was young that she was going to die young because her mother died young. And that really scared me um, because I was a little kid and I didn't want to die. So um, I remember at one point uh, she took me to a doctor and I don't know exactly why, if I was sick or whatever, but the doctor asked if, you know, how I was doing. And I told him that I was afraid to die. And I remember him looking at my mom and saying, haven't you taught her about God? And I don't know how she answered. I really don't. Um, But there was nothing like that in our home. And in fact, there was just a lot of chaos. Because I think, Janelle, I heard you say, or you, Lika, how important love is. And that you would hear, you know, your mom or your dad or whatever um, tell you, I love you. I didn't hear anything like that. Um, So what I did we lived out in a tiny town. The place I grew up, it was like, I don't even know how to tell you how little it was. <laughs> Yours had some shops at least. And we lived four miles out of up, town. I only took to now because that was with my dad. Um, it's called, the translation is Three Streets. That's like the name. And it basically, basically <laughs> is that, yeah. <laughs> So how many, how many people were in that town? Not even 500. Yeah. 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 That was my town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I grew up though. I was, um, they built a house way out four miles out on a dead end street. We were the last house before, um, a park. And so I think there was one or other house or something, but way out there, um, and so town, going to town was kind of a big event because I usually had to walk <laughs> or hitch a ride or something. But anyway, um, so I, I did have a lot of friends. My parents um, had friends and they did a lot of, they went to bowling meets and, you know, got together and did a lot of partying. So as a young child, that's what I started doing. I started partying, but I... Um, 
I never drank to just drink, but I drank to get drunk. And I started doing that when I was 12. I was in sixth grade. And um, just kind of that was that was my fun. I, I know now it was more of an escape. Um, but I would I would have a lot of fun with my friends. We would go out, hang out. You could easily find booze. It was not a big deal out there. Um, in fact, we were the our mascot was the home of the demons. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not like it was a um, it was a very dark, dark place. So when I was in high school, um, my parents, they had some friends and they went to a party. And um, so we went with them because we knew the people. And we decided it would be fun to take off because they were all doing their thing. And so several of us went to a party that was down on a lake and it was at a Bible camp. And mind you, I did not know what a Bible camp was, (laughs) but I went and there was, um, I remember there were a bunch of kids in this, they had a big, huge hall and they were goofing off and playing games and laughing and laughing and having fun without drinking. And I thought, whoa, this is weird (laughs) because I'd never really been around that before. My, My friends were all like me. So um, after all the games, they invited all the kids to go to what they called the forum and listen to the speaker and and have some music. And I remember the friend I had come with, she wanted to take off. She didn't want to go listen. So a couple of them took off, but I, I was so drawn to what these kids had. Um, and I wanted to know what it was. And so I followed him and I listened and I heard that night that God loved me. And so I was like a uh, one of the disciples or, or like when Jesus would say, follow me and they'd leave everything. I was like that. I just instantly responded. I did not have to think about it. So in that way we were different, you and I. Um, but I, I knew instantly that I was loved and and I was told how much God loved me that, um, and again, you have to understand, and I think I, I've told you this a little bit, no clue what they were talking about. I didn't have, um, one of those God moments that I think you brought up. Um, I just instantly knew that this was truth. And I remember the pastor, the youth group leader, um, explaining a lot about um, why it was important to accept Jesus as my savior and for the first time. But he did it in such a way that he was talking about a lot of times, especially in America, and I know this is different than in the Netherlands, but especially in America, um, because When I was younger, a lot of kids did go to church, except in my town. (laughs) But a lot of kids, they would grow up in families where it was kind of like Janelle grew up, a Christian family. And they would, these kids um, wouldn't make their own decision. It was like their parents' religion. 
And I remember this youth pastor saying that just because you grow up in a Christian home, it doesn't make you a Christian. That you have to take that step yourself. And so that night I took that step. Now, I would love to at this point tell you (laughs) that I immediately stopped drinking. I immediately stopped partying. I immediately did all these things. I did not. Um, When I came to Christ, I didn't know there were rules. So I hear a lot of uh, young people or, or people even talk about, well, you know, you have to do this or you have to have strict rules or anything else. I didn't know anything like that. And I wasn't worried about it. I just knew that God loved me. The really cool thing is that same weekend when I went to a party, my best friend was invited to go to one of the kids that lived um, two miles further away. He invited her to go to church with his family. And so that very same weekend, she became a Christian. And both of us were kind of... um, Everyone knew us in the school. We were both cheerleaders. We both were involved in everything. And so um, a lot of it for me was just escape. She had a a decent family. But um, so we came back to school that Monday, both of us determined to share that God loved you with each other. And here we found out we both had become Christians that that day. And so from there, we just had such a desire to share about God to everyone we knew because we'd never heard it. Either one of us had never heard that. So we started sharing with all of our friends, whoever we could find to talk to. We were always talking about Jesus, whether it was in class or it was at lunch. Um, And eventually a family that didn't, that lived, um, in a town near us, they, this was the one that invited her. They recognized something was happening because kids were getting saved and they were asking Jesus to come in their lives too. And there was really no church. There was a Pentecostal church that nobody saw anyone go in or out of. Um, (laughs) I knew there was a Mormon thing, but um, this church was a huge church And they knew something was happening in that valley because remember I told you it was really dark and something was happening there. And so they sent out a youth pastor and another teacher for um, two years and they taught us from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And um, it was pretty amazing. I think at one point we had 40 or 50 kids of a small, tiny town stuffed into this house and you could see not just what what's God was doing in my life, but what God was doing in that tiny town. Um, it was what they would call, I guess, a revival. And from there, um, I learned things. But I'm going to tell you my favorite life verse. Actually, it isn't every Bible I've ever had. It's Philippians 1.6. And it says that he who began a good work in you will complete it. And so what I did, and it's a little longer than that, but I'm tired. (laughs) But um, that's my life works because that's what he did. I didn't clean myself up, but God did. And so because of that, I share Jesus. I share Jesus with everyone I can. 
And I think um, if I remember right, I shared Jesus with you. And before you left, I gave you a children's Bible. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you remember why I gave that to you? Or do you just remember me giving it to uh, you? I still have it. It's just not here with me in Malta. Um, you're yeah. in there, I think. Um, but that's kind of all I remember. <laughs> um, do you remember sharing some of this story with you that I grew up yeah, in and uh, yeah. raised at all? Knew nothing? Yeah. yeah. So I really knew nothing. And a friend of mine... Um, she became a friend because I started going to a ch the church that was sending people. Um, she recognized and her parents that I knew nothing. And so they got me a children's Bible so I could read some of the stories <laughs> that were in the Old Testament. And that's why I gave you one, because I know that uh, you were kind of at that same place where I was. Mm -hmm. So that's my story. I want to ask a follow-up question and then Lika, I'll let you respond to her sharing, but what difference did Jesus make in your life when you came to him? And, and throughout the years, I know now you followed him for how many years now? It's been a long time. Um, <laughs> almost 50, right? So yeah, what, almost 50 years. Yeah. What, what do you think has changed since giving your life to Christ? What was it that you found oh, in him that you didn't it, find in your home? Yeah. I've, it was everything. Um, and I think that's the one thing that I did not have to struggle with is because I was not raised in a Christian home, I accepted Jesus as he was. I never struggled with um, pondering why my faith, why things weren't working out. I had no expectation. And I think that because of that, love was enough. For me, love was enough. Um, and that, you know, in some ways I still struggle with, um, the rejection and the feeling that I don't belong. Um, and that's probably something I'll always struggle with, but in some ways I'm so grateful for the way I was raised because I also have found so many other people that struggle with that. And so I always look for them. I always look for people that maybe um, are coming to church alone. It is tough to walk into a church. And even as a Christian, sometimes, even when I would go to Bible study or to something for the first time, um, I would have to, in the back of my mind, say, you belong here. You belong here. You belong here. But I think that there were two things that I, I knew right away. And number one, I don't know if, uh, and I, maybe I'm talking to people that have felt this way before, but um, I remember feeling a real darkness and a real anger. Um, and I remember waking up to that and just kind of feeling almost hopeless. And that went away. That went away. Um, the feeling of rejection, not so much, but I had... There was no longer that darkness that would come over me. It's like a, um, it's just like uh, the anger was gone and the hope, I had hope. Um, but again, it's a process <laughs> and it took a long time. But that I felt, felt right away. 
Yeah, let Lika respond to that. Or how to respond to... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't, this is not necessarily a question about faith, but it's with your journey. Um, Did your relationship with your parents change at all since you came to faith? Um, Yes, it changed right away um, with my mom. Um, And she... Uh, unfortunately, thought that I judged her. Um, and that I think that happens a lot. I think that a lot of times people that don't know Jesus, they think we sit in judgment of them. And I did not. But it created a real, um, um, a real divide between us, even more than before. Um, and I had to choose between Bible study and church. So for a long time, I, um, <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but I lied and said I was going to a party. Um, I could go to a kegger, but I couldn't go to church. <laughs> so yeah, it's, my story's a little different. Um, and my dad and I had no relationship at all. And that did not change. I stayed out of his way as much as possible. And that did not change. Later on, um, my dad on his deathbed accepted Jesus as his savior. And it was so powerful. And it was so real. Um, And I, I just, part of, I think, what you said gave me hope that you also will someday um, find that faith. And I'll tell you why. My dad, um, one time, Joe and I, and Joe's my husband, you know that, <laughs> we're standing, he, we were at his house, and we were always trying to talk and share Jesus with him. And my dad got up, and he went and looked outside the window. And um, I think it was my mom or, or Joe or one of us um, had been in quite a conversation about God. And um, he was asked, well, don't you believe there's a God? And he stood there for a really long time. But finally he said, well, something created this. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was something inside of him that told him this didn't happen. Something created this. And I, so towards the end of his life, I shared um, about the thief on the cross. I don't know if you know, but when Jesus was crucified, there were two thieves with him. And the one thief mocked Jesus, just like all the other people. You know, if you are God, get yourself down from here, basically. And the other thief said, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, truly, today you'll be in paradise with me. So I told my dad that story and I said, it doesn't matter. It does not matter that you did not accept him many times. I said, what matters is now. And he asked Jesus into heart. So I know I'll see him again someday and it'll be um, amazing is the way I look at it. Mom, do you feel that your relationship with your dad 
influenced how you viewed God or has, you know, I've thought of, yeah, I, I have not, um, I, I really thought about that and, um, I would have to say for the most part, no, mm-hmm. um, because it was such a huge, uh, difference. One was love, one was rejection. And so I didn't see God in that way. I know a lot of people do, but I was able to separate it. Um, as I, as I told you, Jesus was enough to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an expectation of anything um, because I didn't have anything. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if that's a, yeah. an answer to your question. But the question, feelings but... of rejection didn't go away. So, but no, you never no. felt that rejection from God. No, but I have at times um, questioned whether or not I'm saved because I'm not perfect. And then and I go back to what the scripture says, that Jesus is perfect, not you. Um, you know, I felt rejected by people, whether they reject me or not. I've felt that even within my own family. It's very difficult for me to be the one that um, reaches out. And so, Lika, that's, I think, fits into why you, how much it means to me the few times that you've called, knowing I'm going through something pretty tough. And um I felt the rejection of, you know, um, well, family situations with relatives and close relatives. So, yeah, that's, but I can separate that because I see God totally different. Well, uh, Lika said in our first uh, conversation this month together, and I'll quote this, I think you should just live your life the way you want it. I don't think there's necessarily a purpose to life. Mom, I know you have a different perspective. Um, mm-hmm. You've been following mm-hmm. Jesus now for almost 50 years. What, what, has, what have you found in Christ that makes you feel that there's a purpose to what we see all around us? <laughs> well, I think that all of us have a desire to be loved, obviously. Um, Lika also said that was the one thing that, um, that you're very good at, is loving people. And I think that we all that put in us. And so my purpose is to glorify God. And that's what I try to do in everything I do. Um, and you know, Janelle, better than anyone, how I fail over and over, and over again. But my purpose has continued to be um, to be the best representative that I can be, that I know how to be. Um, and that is to live for the Lord. I believe that, and I, Leek, I'm going to say this to you as well. I believe that God has put us at this time and in this part of the world, um, which is a little crazy right now, um, that it wasn't by accident. I don't think it was by accident we met you. I don't think it was by accident that you were brought to Othello, that you, um, lived with a family that loved so well on you. Um, None of that was by accident. And that's my view, that everything happens for a purpose. Even looking back at the way I was raised, I see a purpose in that. Because 
I've met so many kids. I, I ended up going on and, and working for many, many years with kids and youth groups, sharing my story. And um, I was just able to lead a lot of hurting kids to Jesus because I'd been through it. And sometimes telling a story is the best thing you can do, you know. Um, so, yeah, there, I absolutely believe there's a purpose. Absolutely. And my purpose is to glorify God while I'm here. And do you think that's the purpose of every Christian or just you? I think it's that actually um, we're all designed that way. I think God loves all of us, Lika, whether we accept him or not. Um, I think we are designed to love. And sometimes we look for love in the wrong places, obviously. I'm one of the lucky ones. because I found love right away with Jesus. But I will tell you this. Um, there are a lot of people and a lot of examples in the Bible where it took... Um, circumstances for people to turn and acknowledge Jesus. An example, um, I think of Thomas and how um, Jesus was crucified. And I think, you know, all of the disciples left him. Now that's rejection. Except for John. And then um, John stuck out. Hmm? John stayed there. John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With his mom. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Thank you. Um, but Thomas, uh, they call, they say doubting Thomas. Have you ever heard that phrase? Mm. Like a doubting Thomas. And there's, there's a reason for that because Thomas, even though Jesus had appeared um, and, and what was cool was um, it was women that found him, which is so not a part of the old Testament. Women were not really considered uh, high on the list. Jesus changed that. Um but they would go and they would say, you know, we've seen Jesus, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas said, unless I see his hands, his piercings, basically, um, I will not believe. And Jesus appeared to him and let him touch him. Wasn't that it, Janelle? I'm trying to think. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he met him. He met him where he was at. And he didn't condemn him. Even though Thomas had walked with him, he'd seen the miracles. He'd seen everything that Jesus had done, including um, having people that were dead, little girl, you know, get up and walk. I mean, those are the kinds of things that, that Thomas was, and yet he still doubted. And I think that's um, a pretty good example that um, Jesus loves us. He's going to pursue us. And uh, wasn't it John the Baptist as well? John the Baptist, um, who had been the one that baptized Jesus and saw the Holy Spirit fall on him. Um, yeah, when he, he was in also prison. When, yeah, when he was in prison, he sent his disciples to Christ and he said uh, with the message, are you the one uh, that was to come or should we expect somebody else? Yeah. After dedicating yeah. his entire life to proclaiming the good news and preparing the way he, yeah. uh, he doubted. He doubted. Yeah. But Jesus met him where he was at. And then Paul, uh, we talk a lot about Paul and um, the new Testament and all the writings there, because Paul wrote so many letters to the churches. Paul is actually um, 
one of those that was a scholar of the Old Testament. And they had all these laws that they had to follow, everything. And this was when he was, he was called Saul. And after uh, the disciples who had seen Jesus, they started sharing, just like I did, just with anyone that would listen. Um, Saul started uh, persecuting them. And I mean, to the point of watching them get killed, I think he was involved in a lot of that. And um, Jesus met him, came to him, and actually asked him, why are you persecuting me? And he told him to get up, he was blind, and told him to go to a certain house. And they were scared of him. Can you imagine this guy's been out killing Christians? He's been hunting them down. So you'd be a little scared if someone brought him into the house and you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus. You'd be a little scared that I might be, um, um, it might be a trap. But they took him in and he was so instrumental in writing the New Testament. And part of it was because he was a scholar of the Old Testament. And so he was able to speak about who Jesus was, how he could be the only one that would save his people, because I heard you ask that too, um, because he knew the Old Testament. And so he was able to take the prophets and match them with what Jesus did. And Paul um, eventually was... Um, for his faith, as were I think all of the disciples were crucified except John, or 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 murdered in some way, killed in some way. You don't do that for a lie. I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, there was somebody that maybe came and stole the body, or um, a magician, or something like that. I think I heard that was a question that you had. Someone told you that. Who would do that? Especially eleven people. <laughs> I mean. You know, they all have the same story. <laughs> what was that, Lika? Yeah, what they did you all say? have the same story. Oh, I said there's a lot of there are a lot of sick people in the world, so there are people who do yeah. steal bodies. Yep, <laughs> true. But you know what's funny? I, yep. um The Pharisees, when Jesus was on Earth, they were accusing him of being a son of the devil because they couldn't stand the things he was doing, and I think. I'll have to link this in the show notes because I'm totally mischaracterizing some of this. This is just an example. But they're like, uh, what do light and dark have in common, right? You will know by the deeds. And so if what I'm doing like, was of the devil, right, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't produce this kind of fruit. Like it wouldn't produce life and truth and love, right? Well, the disciples, maybe one of the claims has been, like my, my mom just mentioned, that they were all crazy, but what did it produce? Like in the truest sense, right? Uh, they they died for what they believed in, and then the message uh, was love. It was that there's a what my mom, uh, mom, what you're describing is what changed your life, um, right? Right. But uh, I I want to address a question that Lika brought up um, when we were talking. Um, you know, there are a lot of religions out there. Uh, Jehovah mm -hmm. Witness. I know you have some relatives uh, who are Jehovah Witness. So it's interesting mm -hmm. that Lika brought that up at the beginning of our conversation, because even right. though 
you didn't, you weren't raised with any faith background. Some of your relatives were Jehovah Witness, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Later, later though, they moved away and uh, yeah, they became Jehovah Witnesses. So okay. yeah. There are many ideas about how to live and whom to worship or what to worship. Yes. Um, I remember years ago, and Mom, you may remember this exact instance, uh, but we went to a close relative's home, and the mom in that home said to her son, who was probably five years old at the time, um, after Joey, my brother, and I had been talking about Jesus, uh, hey, just so you know, you can believe whatever you want. And which is true, but Mm -hmm. at the time, uh, I was so like (laughs) sad about that uh, because I was absolutely Mm -hmm. convinced she was missing out on the opportunity to share uh, Jesus with her son or to know the love that he brings. Um, But you do you is the message of the world, and God did give us free will. Uh, And Lika said it herself when she talked about faith there could only be Mm -hmm. one God, one way. So, how do you respond? Uh, when someone like Lika here asks, how could we ever know who the real God is? Right. Well, I will, I will first say that um, I can stay not knowing about God. I think you know that I started studying his word, um, trying to get him to know him better. Um, and my faith, I believe is um, based on truth. I don't believe it's, um, necessarily feelings or, you know, um, I'm following Jesus without understanding who he was. Um, it's just grown. And I think, you know, that Joe and I got to go to Israel um, right before the pandemic hit. (laughs) And it was an amazing trip. And, um, Jesus himself said, there is no other way except through me, except, I mean, he is, a he is the truth. Um, so when you when you have a claim like that, you want to have it backed up a little bit. And so um, one of the things that we got to visit was where they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. Have you ever heard of those? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hadn't either for a, a long time, and I really didn't understand what they were. Um So I wrote down a little bit of it and they were first discovered in 1947 and they were discovered in 12 caves. And so we got to go visit where they were discovered and these dead sea scrolls, they were fragments of many, many, many manuscripts. And they were 1000 years prior to the earliest um, biblical manuscripts that had been found. Um, Did you so say they 1, were a thousand years I'm sorry. younger? A thousand years, mom? It cut out for yeah, a second. I, nine to nine, 900 to a thousand years. I don't know exactly. Um, but the early manuscripts, they were that much older. And um, Joey, who had studied Hebrew, told us um, that a little bit more about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they were so accurate that it was just like the ones that had the earliest ones, which were 900 years later that were discovered that a lot of um, the only things that were missing was maybe punctuation marks, which is amazing because all of those things were written down by hand. They, they didn't have a printing press. 
So that in itself was pretty miraculous. And so they found these manuscripts and it was just, um, it's probably considered one of the greatest finds in um, biblical history at this point because it proved the Old Testament. But what I found fascinating was one of the books, I think it was might've been the only book that was found um, complete was the book of Isaiah. Did you know that, Janelle? You told me this morning, I think. But I thought I know I now. I? <laughs> <laughs> and we actually, they even took us to where we got to see some of these manuscripts. It was pretty awesome. Um, they were scrolls, and some of them were fragments. And But they've put a lot of them back together. But Isaiah was complete as far as uh, matching what we have now in the Bible. And the cool thing about that that I love is Isaiah prophesied Jesus. Now, a lot of the book, but Isaiah, especially Isaiah 53, spoke a lot about um, that a Messiah would come and that he would have to suffer. Well, a lot of the prophecy that was going on during that time pointed to a coming king, which he also is our king, but he also was our suffering servant. It talks about us being healed and our sins being placed on this one person. Um, amazing. Uh, to me, it was just so cool that that's what was found complete because there is so much prophecy and, and there is so much pointing to Jesus coming. So then we also went and visited um, a place that was called the Shepherd's Field. And that was in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is actually um, controlled by the Palestinian Authority right now. So it was quite a, a, a even to get in there was, was quite the interesting thing. But our tour guide, who was a, he, he was like Paul. He actually um, was Jewish and converted to Christianity. And so he had so much of the Old Testament that he would teach us. So Jesus also, um, is, it's prophesied that he would be like a lamb led with slaughter. So when we went to the shepherd's field, which is where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, our tour guide um, really highlighted the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was born in a manger and wrapped in the same cloth as the lambs. And it was at this place that the people that were traveling to Jerusalem and offering their sacrifices, they would stop there and they would buy these lambs so they could take them and sacrifice them. And Bethlehem, I'd always thought, was way, way far out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it was three miles from Jerusalem. So Jesus was prophesied that he would be born there. He was born there right where they were raising the lambs that had to go for sacrifice. He was our perfect sacrifice. That's why we don't have to do that anymore. It's once and done. And to me, that is proof. What, one of the things that Lika mentioned She's right here, so I feel weird, like, always referring to this. Lika, you get to ask them. Yeah. 
Well, to be honest, it's been like five months, so I can't remember what I said. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm helping. I'm helping. <laughs> I listened to you again. I love your you're, voice. You're more familiar, mom, probably. Than, but um, she mentioned that she does believe, uh, and like, a, correct me if I'm wrong, in some, like, maybe some spirit world or ghosts uh-huh. or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but one of the things I think of when that question comes up is how can you know God, uh, you don't feel it, whatever, is the Holy Spirit. Would you talk a little bit about that, Mom, about the role of the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible's clear that there is a spiritual world. There is a realm. And mm-hmm. um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on well, that. Well, I, I loved I loved that when I heard that, Leica. And I'll tell you why I love that. Because God is spirit. And did you know that? <laughs> he is oh, wait. what was I that i actually learned that with my dad this week last week mm-hmm. so i'm going to quote someone that can say it so much better than me and that is billy graham you ever hear of billy graham mm-hmm. he was a huge evangelist that went all over the world preaching jesus um i would encourage you to youtube him he has some amazing amazing sermons but God really used him. And um, I pulled this quote and I thought, man, this is, I was so excited when I heard you say that you believed in, you thought that there had to be spirits and ghosts. I, that didn't bother me. And the reason is, um, <laughs> and this is what it says. God is a spirit. He's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. Those three words beautifully describe God. He is infinite not body bound, eternal. He has no beginning and no ending. He is the one forever self-existent. The Bible declares that he never changes, that there is no variableness or shadow of turning with him. People change, fashions change, conditions and social circumstances change, but God never changes. And I thought that might have, I don't know if that helps you, but um, you were also talking about how things change, you know, people's beliefs and stuff. Well, God doesn't change. We change. We change. We look at circumstances and we think, where are you, God? Um, There's a lot of people now that are just believing, quite honestly, Lika, things they want to hear. Um, and the Bible talks about that, that in the end, people will want their ears tickled. They won't want to be told, you know what, you're a sinner and you need a savior. They don't want to hear that because just like my mom, um, people think we're judging them. And that is so far from the truth. God loves them and he still loves them. We always say this verse, and sometimes we say it too fast, but I want you to listen to it carefully if you don't mind. And it's John 3.16. Do you know that verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The cool thing about that and the word I would love to have everybody here is whosoever. It doesn't say you have to be good. doesn't say you have to be of one uh, culture or another. It says whosoever. And that's the Jesus I serve. 
Any questions or follow up to that, Lika, before I ask the final question? Um, well, not necessarily to the last part, but uh, you said that um, loving is God's purpose, basically. And um, he's what that's what is. Yeah, yeah, us, yeah. Like that's a, yeah. it's put in us to love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but then how come so many Christian people hate like literally hate Gabe. <laughs> can I can I try? Can I try a little bit on that? Um, yeah, we're all sinners, right? We're all uh, people that have a propensity to different sins and different things that we fall short on. And in the Old Testament, um, one of the Ten Commandments is, uh, you know, do not take the name of your God in vain. And when I see people who claim to love God and then hate uh, their brother or sister in the world for whatever reason, whether it be for their sexual orientation or their lifestyle or their belief system or whatever it is, um, that's a misrepresentation of who God is. Yeah. God hates sin because it robs him of what he loves, which is his people. It's the people he created. Sin separates us from God. The things that we do like gossip or slander or, uh, you know, rage or uh, all the lots of sins besides homosexuality. And I, I don't believe that uh, the temptation of same-sex attraction or whatever is a sin. I think what the Bible says acting. is there's different acting. There's when we act out things in our lives. But I think what happens sometimes is people, they get saved and um, maybe they become uh, kind of self-righteous, like the Pharisees that we see in scripture. If you ever read um, the New Testament gospels, Lika, like there's uh, the people that Jesus was the hardest on were people who were religious, but forgot the love part. And they could say all the different rules that my mom was talking about, but they, there was nothing compelling about what they were doing except for pointing their finger at other people and forgetting the sin in their own lives. And mm -hmm. I think that we all have the propensity to do that at times, is to judge other people according to their things, but none of us are God. And the only thing that separates a Christian from a non-Christian is Jesus. That's it. Yeah. It's not, nothing that we're better. My mom mentioned that she still, she still struggles with rejection. I struggle with a lot of things. You know, you've lived with me and known me for six <laughs> years, right? It's not that we're better. There's none of that. But sometimes I think when you get caught up in the truth over the love part, instead of keeping them together, I was just interviewing a guy the other day from Germany, or Austria, I'm sorry. He was saying, you can't have beauty, love, and truth without each other. They are meant to be married together. And so um, th that's a complicated question, but I think the truth of it is that people have bastardized what God intended. It's taking his name in vain because you can't mm -hmm. speak of God without truth and love. And there's always going to be a tension there. Um, and I'm reading a great book. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, Drew Berryessa, who's been on this podcast before, has mentioned it. As uh, some of you who might be listening are aware, Drew has an amazing ministry um, where he talks with people about exactly what you just brought up, um, the LGBTQ community. And as Pride Month is coming up next month, it's definitely a topic. And you're going to be seeing things on TikTok and social media and all sorts of rhetoric from different people saying different things. 
Um, but what I love about Drew is that he's he talks so profoundly about truth and love and the marriage of those things together. So I'll link mm-hmm. the book that he recommended, including his um, book, Are We There Yet?, in the show notes. And I wish I could remember the name off the top of my head. I can't, um, the one he recommended. But I think that's one of the, and I've talked about people, uh, I've talked about this before on this podcast. Whenever we host exchange students, that question always comes up. Um, yeah. The, and I, I think that uh, if you're a Christian listening, uh, pay attention to that, will you? We pay attention to Lika right now <laughs> as she asks that question. Why do so many people hate this? It could be said of anything, but the hot button yep. topic is the gay community. Um, so ask God to show you how to love on your neighbor. And uh, if you're a non-Christian, I, I hope you heard what I just, just said, because that is not Jesus. That is not Jesus. People were drawn to him. Uh, the mm-hmm. people that hung out with him the most, he was called a friend of sinners. He was called, um, you know, somebody who was hanging out with prostitutes and, uh, you know, tax collectors who were not good people at the time. They were drawn to him. Uh, are people drawn to you? You know, I'm asking that if you're a Christian. Are people drawn to you? People that don't look like you, uh, don't talk like you, that kind of thing. Um, just a challenge. All right, mom, final question. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you come back again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what, Lika, thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel passionate. You know that. And I love you yeah, so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember the final question, Lika, or do you want me to ask? Uh, I mean, you've been on here enough. I, re- I remember most of it, but you do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's really good when she asks. I'd rather you do it. <laughs> oh, okay. She wants you to do it, Lika. Uh, it doesn't need to be perfect. No, I just... Mm-hmm. I'll, get, I'll put it in the links. Yes. So this podcast is about restoration, eternity, uh, authenticity, and love. And then I think the question is, which one of those four resonates with you the most at this moment? Or something like that, right? It was good. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it. I heard <laughs> it well. Um, I think I think in my season right now of my life, actually for quite a while, it's eternity. And it's probably all in eternity in some way because I want to share my faith. Um, and I want to share my faith because I love Jesus and I want to, <laughs> I want others to know and understand that love. Um, but even more so now it's eternity because I think in this world, some bad things are happening that sometimes we think of the now and not eternally. We're not going to end. None of us gets there alive. And so I try and look at what the eternal outcome is going to be for me personally. Um, I know where I'm going. Um, I want to share my faith with as many as possible. And then when I have friends or I know of others that are going through a difficult time, I always try and think about how is God going to use this in the end? I may not see it. I may not understand it. But I can trust that he will, because he says he will. 
Well, Shannon Moore and Lika Vandeweyart, uh, I am so grateful for both of you. Uh, I love both of you very much. And um, this was a very special episode. Lika, I hope you come on at least one more time before the month is over, uh, just to chat with me even. Um, but what a gift it is to just get to spend time uh, chatting about th- these really important things. And um, yeah, just super grateful for both of you. So until <laughs> next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that. But if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.